0: Chapter Twenty-Two of *The Lair of the White Worm*. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. *The Lair of the White Worm* by Bram Stoker. Chapter Twenty-Two. At close quarters. She has diabolical cunning," said Sir Nathaniel. Ever since you left, she has ranged along the brow and wherever you were accustomed to frequent. "'I have not heard whence the knowledge of your movements came to her, "'nor have I been able to learn any data whereon to found an opinion. "'She seems to have heard both of your marriage and your absence, "'but I gather, by inference, "'that she does not actually know where you and Mimi are, "'or of your return. "'So soon as the dusk fails, she goes out on her rounds, "'and before dawn covers the whole ground round the brow "'and away up into the heart of the peak. "'The white worm, in her own proper shape, certainly has great facilities for the business on which she is now engaged. She can look into windows of any ordinary kind. Happily, this house is beyond her reach, if she wishes, as she manifestly does, to remain unrecognised. But even at this height it is wise to show no lights, lest she might learn something of our presence or absence. Would it not be well, sir, if one of us could see this monster in her real shape at close quarters? I am willing to run the risk, for I take it there would be no slight risk in the doing. I don't suppose any one of our time has seen her close and lived to tell the tale. Sir Nathaniel held up an expostulatory hand. Good God, lad, what are you suggesting? Think of your wife and all that is at stake. It is of Mimi that I think, for her sake that I am willing to risk whatever is to be risked. Adam's young bride was proud of her man, but she blanched at the thought of the ghastly white worm— Adam saw this and at once reassured her. "'So long as her ladyship does not know whereabout I am, "'I shall have as much safety as remains to us. "'Bear in mind, my darling, that we cannot be too careful.' "'Sir Nathaniel realised that Adam was right. "'The white worm had no supernatural powers "'and could not harm them until she discovered their hiding-place. "'It was agreed, therefore, that the two men should go together. "'When the two men slipped out by the back door of the house,' They walked cautiously along the avenue which trended towards the west. Everything was pitch dark, so dark that at times they had to feel their way by the palings and the tree trunks. They could still see, seemingly far in front of them and high up, the baleful light which at the height and distance seemed like a faint line. As they were now on the level of the ground, the light seemed infinitely higher than it had from the top of the tower. At the sight Adam's heart fell. The danger of the desperate enterprise which he had undertaken burst upon him, but this feeling was shortly followed by another which restored him to himself, a fierce loathing and a desire to kill such as he had never experienced before. They went on for some distance on a level road, fairly wide, from which the green light was visible. Here Sir Nathaniel spoke softly, placing his lips to Adam's ear for safety. We know nothing whatever of this creature's power of hearing or smelling though I presume that both are of no great strength. As to seeing, we may presume the opposite. But in any case, we must try to keep in the shade behind the tree trunks. The slightest error would be fatal to us. Adam only nodded, in case there should be any chance of the monster seeing the movement. After a time that seemed interminable, they emerged from the circling wood. It was like coming out into sunlight by comparison with the misty blackness which had been around them. There was light enough to see by, though not sufficient to distinguish things at a distance. Adam's eyes sought the green light in the sky. It was still in about the same place, but its surroundings were more visible. It was now at the summit of what seemed to be a long white pole, near the top of which were two pendant white masses, like rudimentary arms or fins. The green light, strangely enough, did not seem lessened by the surrounding starlight, but had a clearer effect and a deeper green. Whilst they were carefully regarding this, Adam with the aid of an opera glass, their nostrils were assailed by a horrid stench, something like that which rose from the well-hole in Diana's grove. By degrees, as their eyes got the right focus, they saw an immense towering mass that seemed snowy white. It was tall and thin. The lower part was hidden by the trees which lay between, but they could follow the tall white shaft and the duplicate green lights which topped it. As they looked there was a movement. The shaft seemed to bend, and the line of green light descended amongst the trees. They could see the green light twinkle as it passed between the obstructing branches. Seeing where the head of the monster was, the two men ventured a little further forward, and saw that the hidden mass at the base of the shaft was composed of vast coils of the great serpent's body, forming a base from which the upright mass rose. As they looked, this lower mass moved the glistening folds catching the moonlight and they could see that the monster's progress was along the ground it was coming towards them at a swift pace so they turned and ran taking care to make as little noise as possible either by their footfalls or by disturbing the undergrowth close to them they did not stop or pause till they saw before them the high dark tower of doom chapter twenty two recording by richard skipper melbourne australia